This is Two Girls, One two Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. We have a raspy, sick Corinne over there. I don't know if you can say raspy. I think it's all nasal okay. right now. Nasally, Corinne. Aww. Hello. So and a regular Sabrina. Regular Sabrina, yes. In good health, Sabrina. Yeah, I've just been having crazy migraines where I lose my vision, but that's... Yeah, that's a little scary. Yeah, it happens. You just go blank for like an hour? Uh, yeah, pretty much. It just depends. Like sometimes I'll see like an aura. It's called like an ocular migraine. And like you, I see a flashing light. We're just both falling Jeez. apart, you know? Oh my God, yeah. I think that's what it well, comes down to. I haven't gotten the flu shot ever since they took away the nasal spray flu shots because I'm afraid of needles. Oh. So I was like, Shh, not getting it. Now I have the flu. Ugh. So who's winning here? Not me. Are you scared of needles because they hurt or are you just like... I don't... Uh, I don't like to think about it. <laughs> it's freaking me out. But just like, it's unnatural. Like, just... I don't want... Th- I don't want things going into my body that aren't supposed to, you know? Well, the flu shouldn't be in your body either. Okay, but like a metal tube... Yeah. ...shot into my arm. Oh, God. I okay, we could stop thinking about it. At the same it. time. Yeah, not the right time to think <laughs> about this. Something we can think about, though. What? I have multiple ghostly things to tell you what if a ghost had the flu when it died and then came by you and got, gave you the flu the ghost died i meant <laughs> when the ghost died i think just okay. talking to you makes me congested and makes my brain go what even i'm making more sense than you <laughs> and i've had a fever <laughs> oh my god i was literally in my roommate so our like common area is kept pretty cold and i have a fever and so my room i kept at 88 because i was freezing and could not stay warm and then suddenly my fever switched and i was so so hot and i went into our common area that's like probably 65 degrees and i was just wearing a t-shirt and shorts and my boob sweat was on (laughs) it's like all the way down to my thighs and she was like can i help you can i turn the air on out here and i was like no no it will pass it will will pass pass. this too and i went and i stood outside in the in the winter for a little bit which probably wasn't healthy but Uh, well you do what you can. Anyway, ghost stories. Yes. Number one ghost story. No surprise, my house in Vermont, my family's house, is active. And the activity picks up a whole lot more whenever my parents aren't in town. So when they come back home after being gone for a few days, activity is always a little bit crazy and it takes a while for it to die down again. And my mom said that she kept hearing things at night and it definitely wasn't like house noises. And then a few days in, she heard a lot of noise in the middle of the night. And so she was like, I did exactly what you're not supposed to do and what everyone yells at people in the movies for. I went and I investigated. (gasps) By herself? And she... She went into the spare bedroom. She followed the noise into the spare bedroom and then the spare bedroom closet. And when she opened the spare bedroom closet, all the noise stopped. Oh. But there were plastic boxes stacked on top of each other in the middle of the closet. And they weren't there originally. The bins were in the closet, but they were stacked in the closet. And had they fallen over, they would have toppled. They wouldn't have nicely kept been kept stacked and fallen into the middle of the closet, you know? It goes on a shelf before. That's weird. That makes me think of like, maybe I'm visualizing this incorrectly, but it makes me think of like, you know, when the little kid piles up boxes on top of each other so they can like climb up to something higher. That's exactly what my mom was thinking. My mom was like, the sound, the noises stopped in a way that she was like, it felt like I was walking in on little kids doing something they weren't supposed to. And they were like, mom's here. 
Um, this is just really sad. I ended up watching the documentary Newtown, which is just heartbreaking. It's about Sandy Hook. It's the most heartbreaking movie and or documentary. And I just like sobbed for hours and I was talking with Scout because this is what we do to ourselves. Like every time we get together, we just drink a ton of wine and watch really sad, depressing things and then cry. I know. Didn't you watch um, What's Wrong with Aunt Diane or whatever that one was yep. with Scout? Yep. And we watched we Dear Zachary. Aunt Diane or- yeah. And we also watched oh, yeah. Tickled. So that one was funny. But okay. <laughs> we watched the Newtown documentary and we were like... We just had, like, went into this, like, long conversation about, like, children's spirits and, like, how that's probably one of the saddest things is having a child spirit because they're probably so confused and, like, don't really know what's going on. It's so heartbreaking to think about. But I also feel like, I mean, we already did the episode on near-death experiences. And it sounds, from the things that we talked about and the ones that we've read, I feel like oftentimes people get kind of like picked up immediately and don't really have too much time to be overly confused right so i my hope is that you know that doesn't happen yeah the people are immediately greeted by their their loved loved ones ones or whoever is going to yeah show them the ropes yeah i have another ghostly thing okay what is it this one i guess was a family secret that was just exposed to me (laughs) today exposed to your family secret to me yeah so my dad's father passed away when he was like 13 or 14 so in terms of my dad's father's relatives like i don't really know them they didn't really stay that close with the family i don't think after my paternal grandfather passed away and so this story i guess was one that they all learned like my dad and his siblings and the whole family knew when they were younger but they hadn't really talked about it much and it hadn't come up because they hadn't been with the relatives who had experienced it in a really long time but somehow the topic got brought up and my mom heard it for the first time. So, of course, she calls me and tells me everything. Oh, my gosh. Or as much as she could remember. There's a lot of details missing. But essentially, my great-great-grandmother mm-hmm. had a book. It was some sort of black book. I don't know what was in the book. But apparently, anyone who was in possession of the book was visited by who they referred to as the Grim Reaper (gasps) because this dark spirit would predict someone's death and it would always, always, always be true. So everyone was freaked out about this book in my family and it got passed around and it eventually somehow landed with my dad's grandmother, my great-grandmother, Mamere. And she was so afraid of the book that she burned it. And so now it doesn't exist. And I know you're not supposed to burn things, but apparently that solved their problem. They never had another visit. They never had anything else with that spirit or like it again. I'm so, I want to know what that book was. I know. I was like, oh, it could have been in a museum now. We could have learned so much from it. But then that museum would be haunted. It's like Robert the Doll. Yeah, I don't know where they got the book, but um, that side of the family is French, so it could have been yeah. somewhere in France. It could have been somewhere in Canada because they uh, had moved. Oh, my God. It makes me think of, like, in Sabrina when she signs her name to the devil. It's like that black book, you know? Yeah, it's just freaky to know that it's a real thing and that all of my family members on that side knew about it. And then it was serious enough that my marriage just was like, I'm not responsible for this one. I'm not getting visited. It's gone. Wow. I kind of don't blame her. I I like, especially if that is 
being passed down through generations and every person who's had it tells the same story of this like horrible terrifying experience it's almost like the um what's it called the dibuk box yeah kind of but it's like it's like if you're you know like you know how people like it's like you pass down your grandmother's ring through the family and it's like who's gonna get it who's gonna get the ring but like i don't want the book please don't give me the book give it to her give it to give it to my my sister i know and it's it was i i mean i don't know any details and like the people who owned it then are dead now so can't ask them anything but kind of sounds like they were also afraid that they were too afraid to get rid of it or do anything they just kind of dealt with it and just passed it around but go grandma for getting rid of it she's like I, you know what? i'm gonna do something with this i know we're ending this year like, let's just burn it this ends now <laughs> this ends now i wonder what sort of weird ceremony they did some weird ritual to burn it i'm sure in the rural new hampshire maine woods yeah oh yeah rituals have to take place in those woods this is a topic that we've wanted to do for a while. It's haunted plantations. And I would like to start out by saying I fully expected us to go in and for these to be really sad, horrible, horrible hauntings of all of these slaves and their spirits haunting the land. But I feel like fortunately, a lot of the stories that I came across were not spirits of slaves at all. And so that made me happy mine i have a feeling yours include them mine does and the one thing that i i will point out that kind of bummed me out in my research is that most of these places that i was reading about hardly mention the horrible conditions that these poor men women and children who were enslaved into slavery were forced into and they kind of just like talk about the families who like built these plantations and yeah i got kind of bummed about that and it's i know frustrating well that's why i chose one a haunting that does not have slave spirits right and it's a plantation that does highlight the horrible conditions oh that's good what'd you pick so it is oak alley plantation (gasps) and it's in Thatchery, Louisiana. Is it the one with the really pretty walkway? Oh my God, yes. I was and this tempted. Is why I chose that. <laughs> I was tempted by the photos, but then I had already picked mine, so I was like, Oh my God, it's so beautiful. It's, it's like also unreal spooky. Some of the photos of the entryway were in black and white, and I was like, Ooh, this is so creepy. <laughs> Everyone should just go Google a picture. But the driveway up to the big main house has 28 massive oak trees that line both sides of the driveway. And their branches reach across the driveway to each other. So it creates this sort of like arched entrance. This Yeah, tree canopy. canopy. And it also, I know you haven't seen the movie because I've referenced it before, but El Orfanato, it's a Spanish movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it's on my, le- on my list. I just went, I'll watch it. Okay. Well, when I saw a picture of this plantation, it just reminded me so much of the movie and of the little scene where the girl's like knocking on the tree and she's going, uno, dos, tres, toca la pared. Mm. Just so I was like, oh, my God, there are going to be dead children playing outside. (laughs) This is what it is. Okay, so the Oak Alley Plantation was once a sugar plantation. It enslaved over 100 men, women and children to work on the land. And the enslaved women worked on the heavier maintenance tasks while the enslaved men worked on cultivation. And they worked very tirelessly. Their days were 18 plus hours. And then sometimes they would have chores to do after. It was 
tough work. I mean, we don't hopefully have to teach you about slavery, but it was almost never pleasant. Jacques Roman and his family, they owned the property at the time. So they were the original owners and they had a ton of wealth. And at that time, a lot of people just had slaves to work outside. It was, I mean, slaves were expensive to trade. And if you had slaves, it was a show of wealth and you wanted to like have them out in the fields and working and, you know, get good use of your, your labor. But the Roman, Roman, whatever, family, they wanted to show their wealth even more. And so they actually had house slaves, which was a really big deal at the time. They would take their slaves with them um, when they were going on vacation and they would actually like dress them up really well in all of these clothes and really show how wealthy they were and how they could take care of their slaves like this and blah, 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 blah. But being a house slave was even more high pressure because if they made one little mistake, then the slaves would be banished to work in the fields and any treatment of the slaves was not good. This was a plantation in Louisiana after all. And Louisiana had the reputation for not being able to keep enslaved people alive for very long. Well, it reminds me of the episode we did on New Orleans and um, with like Marie Delphine LaLaurie and how she was just so awful and how they like would just like torture these poor people. The property is now open for tours and it includes a slavery exhibit, which highlights a few individuals who are owned there and also the living conditions and what happened after their emancipation. It talks about the really poor living conditions that all the slaves had and resided in until like sometime in the 1900s. There's exhibits on other things too, like the sugar canes and there's a blacksmith shop exhibit. Um, and you can also tour the big house, which is the house that you drive up to, like through the oak canopy. And there's a civil war exhibit. There's a garden. There's the family graveyard. Wow. That's the, I mean, that's the cool thing about these old, old buildings is they all have their, it's like their own little community. Yeah. It reminds me, did you ever play The Sims? Did you remember that house? I can't remember the name of the family, but it's like basically like the Adams family of Sims. And they had their own cemetery in the backyard. And I would always do the cheat and I'd kick them out of their house so that I could move into their house. And then there'd be ghosts roaming around. Oh, what the heck? I don't think I know that cheat. Now I need to play again. (laughs) Come over anytime. Before we go into the hauntings, I do want to say a few good things about the plantation. Because usually, like Sabrina just mentioned in the beginning, a lot of these plantations. And, too, when I went to Nashville with and was visiting Marissa and I went to the um, Bell Mead plantation. I talked about how they didn't really highlight the poor conditions yeah. of the slaves. They only focused on the good. And that's not really how it goes. It's not reality. So I do want to say a few good things about this plantation because they are different than many okay, others. The property now has a foundation that operates exclusively for charitable, literary, and educational purposes. And the current plantation owners also focus on, or I guess, the owners are it's the foundation so the foundation focuses on the horrible conditions of the slaves it shows a lot of respect for these people and if you actually go to the website of the plantation you can find a database on the website that has a list of all the enslaved people it has their names their birth their death any special skills or jobs that they had um, anyone that they were related to if they were baptized etc etc any record that they had 
access to, they put on this database. Oh, that's great. And it also shows the record of auctions or sales. So basically, you can see how much some of these slaves were purchased for, which is oh my absolutely wild. Jeez. Yeah. So slavery was obviously awful, but I'm also glad that there was like some sort of memorial to these people. Yeah. Because, I mean, and it's on this website and they do the tour and a lot of they don't the other thing i saw was like in the tour and like the amount of time you can spend in each place it's this the um they encourage people to take as much time as possible when they're visiting this slave like quarters area Mm -hmm. like the slave house yeah there's like no time limit because they want you know that's good to like really know what happened right not i i love that they have all the records because i feel like aside from ownership they kind of swept their lives under the rug and it was like they really didn't view them as as people which is so horrible right and it's like i i get why the plantations still go over like the history of the people who owned it and all that stuff because like they made their fortunes and were big people but it's like they wouldn't have made the fortunes without the slaves right yeah i mean that's fine but as long as you do both which i'm glad that your plantation did all the white people already have their own wikipedia page let's focus on the other people who matter yes the oak alley plantation was built in just two years so construction started on it in 1837 and within two years it was done that's almost 200 years old so 200 years for us to collect spirits on the land the very last owner was mrs smith and she was the one that was responsible for remodeling it she created just she was very focused on the landscaping so she wanted to have like very beautiful um like gardens and everything and she is actually the one who started the oak alley foundation oh wow so she was a do-gooder and she always opened up her home to other people in for various activities and she wanted this to continue after she passed so she created this nonprofit, the oak alley foundation and then insisted with the board members that they when she passes that they continue to do it as like a that's great you know charitable efforts education music help all the kids etc in 1972 at the age of 93 she passed away and to honor her death to honor mrs stort in the big house the one that's by the oak trees all of the clocks are set to the time of her death super spooky but pretty (laughs) it didn't happen because of a paranormal thing they just did that in honor of her they did it in honor of her. oh that's sweet although she didn't go too far because the staff members of oak alley plantation believe that she's still on the property overseeing the operation i wonder if that clock thing helps give her more power and ability to be there you know i would say yes perhaps but there are other owners that are there too so I think it's just a free-for-all. So we don't really know, is what it comes down to. Surprise, surprise, we don't know. (laughs) Someone on our Facebook page was like, what are some of your favorite quotes that Corinne and Sabrina say? And someone was like, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, we do say that a lot. Uh, We say it every single... If there's ever a two girls, one ghost drinking game, you got to take a sip every time we say we don't know. We should make a drinking game. I think that should be a goal for 2019. Okay. Okay. So Mrs. Stort has been seen observing people from the upstairs. One group of employees were actually quite spooked by her. They had somewhere on the property that was like away from the big house that there was an event 
on the property and they had already closed down the big house. They turned all the lights off, et cetera, et cetera. Security cameras were going. And then when these four employees were getting ready to leave after the event somewhere else on the property was taking place, they noticed that there's a light on in the big house. And they were like, well, this shouldn't be on. So they went to investigate. And upon entering, they see Mrs. Stewart at the top of the stairs. And at the moment that they're looking at her at the top of the stairs, the lights upstairs blink and they're like, hell oh no. My God. And they bolt out. They run to their cars. They start driving away. And when they're almost off the property, they look back. And the house was once again dark, just as it had been before. It kind of... As if nothing had happened. It kind of feels like they walked in and she was there. And so she turned on the lights for them. She was like, I don't want you guys in the dark. Here, here's some light. And then it freaked them out. I mean, I think they went in because they saw the light. Oh, oh well. They were already out. But who knows? She was just, you know, maybe she had been doing some late night reading. Yeah, you need a light. You don't want to hurt your eyes. There are also two female spirits who are seen on the property, and they are thought to be the wife and daughter of Jacques Ramon, Celine and Luis. And so yet again, it's the owners that haunt the joint, so not any former slaves. Um, the daughter, Louise, well, it's kind of thought to be the daughter, Louise. It could be Celine because both of them, I believe, were like thin, long-haired brunette women. But they think, presumably, the daughter um, was captured in a photograph that was taken in the house in a room. And at the time, the room was completely empty. But in the photograph, there's sort of this like misty apparition Ooh. that appears to take form and they think that it might be louise it could be celine too but now after yeah, no. after our episode last week i'm con- i'm wondering what photos of ghosts are actually real because remember how harry price called out that guy who was a ghost photographer true uh, yeah right i mean but here's the thing it's like the person that took this photo were they trying to get money from it or were they just snapping photos on their tour of the big house like wow what beautiful woodwork okay i believe again thank you for bringing me back to reality (laughs) (laughs) it's the it's what lies behind the intention that i think yes tells us whether or not something's legit Mm -hmm. Um, the mother celine her apparition is seen she spends a bit less time indoors and she's usually seen walking outside walking the grounds walking the widow's walk but she also has been seen in the big house i think she's been seen on the second floor balcony um and some people have even spotted her wearing black and riding a horse down the arching oak trees which gave her the nickname lady in black um which life goal i want to be lady in black she has a horse in the afterlife i think that is my goal she rides it and she wears black she goes against girl go ghoul go ghoul Uh, but like also don't go ghoul because oh no well it was the norm back then but she's the one that owned the slaves right yeah but in apparition form we appreciate her costume and choice and choice of ride yes Correct. So this lady in black, Celine, she's become quite famous and many people have seen her apparition. And apparently the sightings are so frequent that I'm suggesting people just go if they're close by to see if they can see her because people were like, yeah, it's really frequent. It happens all the time. She's always out riding her horse. (laughs) So maybe you'll catch a glimpse. 
So the more active spirits on the property tend to be the ones who had owned it and resided there. So Mrs. Stort and then uh, the two, the two uh, Roman women. But there are a few other spirits around. There is a ghostly apparition of a man who's wearing gray clothing and riding boots. And he's been seen on the property. Although maybe, maybe it's Jacques. I don't know. And he's also appeared in the mirror in the attic, which is so scary. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yikes. An employee was also touched by an invisible force on the arm. Another employee witnessed a candlestick fly across (gasps) the room while giving a tour. One employee saw multiple chairs rocking back and forth in unison. Oh, Multiple chairs. (gasps) so creepy so creepy. yeah well that music that you tried to add to it is definitely creepy <laughs> i'm already like slightly rocking back and forth i don't know why your body does that you know when you're sitting and it moves yeah it just so slightly like rocks back and forth i hate it anyway um multiple employees have noticed things go missing or be moved around and many people have also heard a baby crying and they've also heard what sounds like a horse drawing a carriage, like a horse drawn carriage coming up the driveway. But when they look, nothing's there and nothing ever arrives. Wow. There was also a group of carpenters who were working on the property and they needed to repair the widow's walk at the time. And so the day before they were going to do that, they prepared all of their climbing stuff. They did their harnesses, the ropes, like prepped it for the next morning so they could just get up and go pretty quick. And they laid out all the items on the attic floor. But then when they returned the next morning, everything was thrown around. Their harnesses and ropes were all tangled. They were everywhere, not where they left them. And so they were really concerned because they were like, okay, number one, someone's messing up our safety. Right. And number two, someone broke in. There's an intruder. Right. And so they checked the security cameras. But on the security cameras, since the time that those guys had left the night before, no one had entered and no one had left the attic. So it was a ghost. Wait, did they see the things moving in the footage? No, I, the security camera, I think, was of the like door, the stairwell oh, to the attic. Oh, wow. Bummer. It, it would have been so cool attic. to like watch it all oh, get my moved God, around. That would have been cool. But terrifying. <laughs> but we don't have that. Right. We have Paranormal Activity, the movies for that. Exactly. So... I mean, that's pretty much like the gist of the activity. It sounds like most of the hauntings are done by the owners, but the owners seem pretty benign. They're just like milling about and watching over things. But it also sounds like maybe there's some other ones there that aren't so happy to have uh, people walking around and going through the house and up into the attic. Well, we've had we've discussed a lot of haunted locations where the second they try to do construction or renovations of some sort, the spirits believe or or are afraid that that they are going to like change or destroy their place and they don't they're not okay with that, so then they like cause destruction whether it's moving things around or knocking people off ladders and hurting people because they're they want to protect the place that they live in. I wonder if that was awkward for Mrs. Stort when she passed over because she did a lot of, a lot of uh, updates. And then she was like, "You know, oh, I'm going to join you guys and screw with everyone else." Suddenly, she was with the original owners, and they were probably like, "What the hell, man? Why'd you do all that?" Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the baby crying and all the other spirits. I wonder who they are and who they like. What? It's hard because like you'll have 
so many different experiences and then maybe they only happen once in a while so it's hard to kind of pin down what it what right the source is is it a residual haunting mm-hmm. is it just a haunting passing through like doesn't even belong to the plantation right. it's just other spirits coming through yeah or what so interesting what plantation was it was it myrtle's plantation that had the um woman the figure in the window Oh, I think so. Isn't Myrtle's super haunted? Isn't yeah. there like a million spirits on that one? Yeah, I think so. I think that's one of the most haunted plantations. I chose to talk about Magnolia Plantation, which is also in Louisiana. Look at us. We basically did a whole new episode about Louisiana. Um, but I realized that there's also a Magnolia Plantation in South Carolina. And so I was doing research and I was like, this website's lying to me. I just read the complete opposite. And then I realized I was researching two different plantations. But I finally figured it out. And I did the one in Louisiana. Uh, I've done that before. And you're like, people are getting the names wrong. How can I trust this site? I thought I was going crazy. But anyway, Magnolia Plantation in Louisiana is in Nakatawash Parish, Louisiana, along the Cane River Lake. And it has over 250 years worth of history, which means ghosts, 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 ghosts times 250 years. It was declared a National Historic Landmark in 2001, and it's certified haunted enough to talk about on our podcast. That's how you know it gets the stamp, certified haunted. It is along the Louisiana African American Heritage Trail and it is partially owned by the National Park Service. So the park owns and operates over 16 of the buildings on the property, including the plantation store, the cotton gin, the overseer's house, the slave hospital, the blacksmith shop, and the slave cabins. And then the main house is still private. So it's privately owned by the by the same family that actually built and created the plantation in 1753. So it's just been in the oh, same wow. generation or in the same family for generation after generation after generation. Okay, well, there you go. That's probably the answer as to why some of these plantations don't highlight all of the horrible stuff that happened. Yeah. It's like the relatives aren't trying to disparage exactly. their yeah, cause it's talking. familial line. Correct. As for the history of the home, the land on which the plantation stands was originally acquired in 1753 by Jean-Baptiste Lecomte. Good job. Thank you. Uh, I've been practicing ever since my mom embarrassed me. And then it has, like I said, it's been in the Lecomte and Herzog family for more than 250 years. So through marriage, it's changed to now the current owner's last name is Herzog. And the plantation was established in 1830. And the owners forced slaves to clear more than 2,000 2000 acres and turn them into cotton fields. And at the height of prosperity in 1860, the family produced more cotton than anyone else in this parish in Louisiana. I'm not saying the name again because it was very difficult to say. (laughs) And this plantation suffered, along with many plantations and just businesses in general, suffered greatly during the Civil War. And reconstruction, and the original main house built in eighteen thirty in the eighteen thirties was burned down by federal troops in eighteen sixty four. And there's this whole story about how the 
overseer of the land at the time. His name is Mr. Miller, and there's this whole story about how he was overseeing the house, and when the federal troops came and marched to the house with, like, their fire burning, ready to burn the house down, he stood on the front steps, and he was like, don't do it. Please do not burn down this home. Like, I'm supposed to protect it. Like, basically trying to get them to change their mind. And they shot him dead on the front porch and burnt the house down. And the house was not rebuilt until the 1890s. So that's like 40 years or so that the house just didn't exist. The surrounding property and the other buildings did still stand, but the main house uh, did not. And then when it was rebuilt in the 1890s, they rebuilt it basically in the exact same model. And they followed the same blueprint of the original house. Uh, regardless of the war and their um, the stuff like the fact that their business kind of started to fail during the Civil War, they were able to pick back up, and the plantation was able to survive, and it continued to operate until I think as late as the nineteen like mid nineteen hundreds, and people and slaves were still living in the cabins at Magnolia into as late as nineteen seventy. And this is one of those plantations that likes to paint the lives of their slaves like this, like, really beautiful experience, which we know is not true. Yeah. You know what else I noticed? It's like when slaves became emancipated and they could get paid and, like, Mm -hmm. stay there and be employees. It's like, ooh, look, they chose to stay. See what a great place we are. And it's like, no, they have nowhere to go. (laughs) And also think about the psychology of that. Like, they grew, many of them grew up on these plantations and were treated so poorly that it's like Stockholm syndrome of, of sorts. Cause it's like, yeah. you literally tortured me and abused me for my whole life. And now you're saying, Oh, you can go. But remember that time I beat you and I hurt you. I can do it again. I have that power still. Like it is their whole life. You took everything from them. So yeah. whatever. But so in the research, the way they painted the life was like, at least 75 people were living at Magnolia at a time and all the slave cabins and accommodations were placed in this one area in rows. So it was like a structured village. And so they liked to believe that like they were creating this kind of community for their these men, women, children who were forced into slavery to develop their own community and religions. And like they did because they were, for, you know, like they had to have some kind of relief in the horrible experiences that they were having, they did form a community where, like, they're inseparable. But, it, yeah, we know it was not good conditions. So, yeah, so a lot of the buildings are in, like, very good, pristine condition just because people were living in them as late as the 1970s. Oh, and there's this journal. So the only kind of evidence of what happened to and what the lifestyle of these the slaves were on the plantation is there's a journal that was found on the property which belonged to one of the Lecompte family members and in it they describe that they would hunt escaped slaves and like they would hunt them from Louisiana all the way to Texas oh I can't I hate this topic I know I know and it's believed so this is where the ghosts come in it is believed that the slaves began to use voodoo to curse their masters and the uh, remnants of all these curses and rituals are actually all over the plantation. So today, if you go to the visit the public area, 
which is part of the park, you'll find that throughout the buildings there are these these black X's that are kind of um, covered in plexiglass because they're trying to preserve the what they call graffiti. But it's believed that these black X's are part of a voodoo ritual, which is used to conjure demons for help. Oh. Yeah. And there have been many land ex- excavations. And actually, the Ghost Adventures men went to the the um, Magnolia Plantation and did a, a whole investigation there. And they spoke to a man who's an archaeologist, and he was doing some digs on the land. His name was Ken Brown. And he said while he was doing the excavations on the property, they found multiple voodoo objects like they found like little glasses with herbs and different kind of like scrolls in them message in a bottle exactly but apparently they were like supposed to be like taking their owner's luck so they would put it in the property around the main house or around areas of their slave owner of the owners their masters and it would it would the they would do it to try to like take away and suck away their luck Hmm. witnesses have said that they've seen many apparitions around the land and many motion detectors will go off for no reason and they will hear disembodied voices. Isn't that interesting that motion detectors go off? It makes me wonder about like security, like home alarms, you know? Right. Well, like, Because shouldn't they be going off whenever a spirit drifts on through? Yeah. If the detectors go off? But is it is it because it's actually detecting the motion or is it because the spirit energy is interfering with the technology of the motion detector and that's what kind of triggers it? But still, Interesting. same question. Either way, the alarm should be sounding though, right? Yeah, definitely. My alarm at home used to go off all the time. My childhood Whoa. home. So I think it does happen. <laughs> Ours doesn't. Really? But, I mean, maybe all the ghosts go upstairs when it's time to they go, go to bed. bed. They're not opening and closing doors. I had, do you, did you ever have those like things in the corner of your, like up in the ceilings that flash red if people were moving around? I mean, I didn't have one in my own room, but like hotel rooms have them. Oh, we had them in my house growing up, not in our bedrooms, but in the main areas. And I remember I'd like lay in the hallway sometimes and I would watch them just flashing and I'd be like, oh my God, there are ghosts. Um, Back to Magnolia. Just a little bit more about their living conditions. The slave quarters were two room units which meant that a house that each unit would house an entire family so which sometimes meant upwards of 10 people per room which is tiny and cramped and then there's this thing where so many of the enslaved blacksmiths were tasked with uh forming the metal christian crosses that would mark the lecompte family graves on the land and they would sneak in have you ever seen like those gold little ovals that have a image of mary and then like christian verses around i mean i'm sure but i'm not observant and i'm a horrible catholic okay well it's like that but these blacksmiths would sneak in a like voodoo symbols into the uh designs of them and then put them on the graves as markers so it's kind of like cursing them through that way there are tales of one of the rooms in the main house was given the name the dying room because apparently many of the residents who were sick or ill would go to that room when they no longer wanted to live. So it was like, not like they were brought there. It was that they would on their own be like, this is the room I'm going to die in. So they all would die in this room, which is weird and creepy. Like, why wouldn't you want to die in your own bed? It's giving me flashbacks to Jersey Shore in the smush room. Oh, It's all a little weird when you share things like that. Yeah, it's true. 
One of the most disturbing disturbing stories related to the dying room revolves around a union major, and there are stories stating that he was poisoned and that the Confederate soldiers drove him insane. So people have gone to who have gone to the main house, which are very few. It's basically just family and friends of the owners of the land because it's a private property. They say that you can see the major's face in a window of the dying room. And a lot of people will be inside the house and the kitchen door will swing open on its own, like back and forth. There have been many unusual shaped entities that are shrouded in mist. And there's one entity which is said to crawl around on the kitchen floor on all fours. All right, just throw me in that dying room now because <laughs> I'm done. I hate this. I know. And it also, there's like a weird correlation where like, a lot of the activity in the main house happened only on a full moon. Uh, there's another story where at the peak of wartime, there were numerous Confederate soldiers who were taken prisoner and forced into these old uh, or into what had previously been the slaves' brick homes. And a lot of them would die from suffocation and then were buried around the property in shallow graves. So they have been seen kind of roaming the property, just all these Confederate soldiers. And apparently these ghosts are known to know your name and if you're walking around the like park the national park area you'll hear whispers of your name and these soldiers are like apparently they like to mess with people and call your name brilliant teamwork on all of those spirits (laughs) parts okay and then there's another story where the slaves revolted in the basement of the main house because Um, an overseer was just so horrible to them, like would tie them up in these leg shackles and they just were like, we have had enough. And they turned on this overseer and, uh, they killed him in the basement and people have reported hearing the sounds of someone screaming from the basement. And it's also people will hear the shackles moving as if someone's like chained up in the basement. And then, in 2009, the cast of Ghost Adventures, like I said, went to go investigate the property. And they were the first people to ever do a full investigation of the main house. So they locked themselves in the main house. And they found, like, a really creepy room. And I don't know if it was, like, connected to the dining room. They didn't really specify. But within a bedroom, there was this weird closet that they walked into. And it had weird potato-like squash things hanging from the ceiling oh that's so weird and they heard footsteps and an orb they caught an orb and it was just like really creepy they all got really eerie feelings about it just like what is the purpose of that i don't know but when you say potato like does that mean that they were really potatoes i have no idea it wasn't like you know that the way they film in the where it's like all dark and they just have the flashlights so they looked kind of potato-y because I was like, who just hangs up potatoes? I mean, unless they're drying potatoes, but like... Why would you do that upstairs in a weird closet in a bedroom? And if you knew Ghost Adventures was coming, wouldn't you be like, shit, gotta, gotta move my, my potatoes. Potato collection down. <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder if they didn't. the current owner didn't even know that they're there. Our favorite, what they did is they did a uh, whole voodoo ritual with Bloody Mary, who's this like voodoo queen in uh, Louisiana, and uh, they summoned Legba, who is kind of like the, um, I'm going to misspeak, but it, it's just like a someone you call to in voodoo ritual to bring about spirits. And they 
immediately started getting activity when they locked themselves in the rooms. And after going from the main house, they went down to the cabins where slaves used to live. And as they were walking up to an, a cabin, which used to be Aunt Agnes's, who is this, who is believed to be one of the, like the best healers of the time, who lived to be 120 years old, rumored to have lived to 120 years old. They were going to yeah. go set up in that cabin, but as they were walking towards the cabins, this light in another one started going on and off on and off and so they kind of walk to it and they're like that's weird this door is locked they try to go in it's locked and then they're like if you're here turn the light off and then the light shut off and then they were like okay we don't want to go in that one so then they went into the cabin that aunt agnes was believed to have lived in while she was uh, a slave at the at magnolia plantation and while they were sitting there people ghosts spirits were touching them chanting their names and then they heard a full chanting as if there were like 40 spirits all in that room mm. chanting and it was a weird garbled you don't really know what they're saying but it's super creepy so creepy yeah and then just to end it similar to what i said about the confederate soldiers whispering people's names at the very end of the ghost investigation uh a spirit started whispering aaron's name poor aaron Aaron. as if he hasn't had enough happen to him i know yeah by the 1990s the store had closed and the property was falling into ruin and in 1994 the plantation was donated to the national park service who has since preserved the historic site and has opened it to the public um it's open mondays through fridays from 8 a.m to 4 30 p.m and you can go explore Basically, the entire property aside from the main house and some of the farmland. Honestly, I think every plantation is haunted. Yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised if it wasn't just based on what we know and what we can imagine or fill in the gaps of how people were treated on that land. The energy is not positive. It's heartbreaking. The one you chose has a million spirits, too. I kind of like the chanting. I mean, I don't. What? But I do. I think this is your your flu talking. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm just, I want someone to sing me a song and put me to sleep. <laughs> oh. I need comfort. I'm trying to blow my nose one-handed, and I'm really just blowing the snot all over my face. All over your face. hand and face. It's not even on my hand. The tissue is protecting my hand, but instead of it going into the tissue, it's just going down onto, my, like, my <laughs> mouth. I need my mom. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you ever get old enough where you don't think that you need to go home and have your mom take care of you. No, I don't think that will ever change. Maybe once you have kids. I try to get Nick to take care of me. That's that's the nice thing I have. I like how you said I try as if it doesn't work. Well, because I'm such a baby when I'm sick. I'm like, I'm dying. And then he like helps, but he's like, I can't be there while like you're just sitting there on the toilet like throwing up. I can't just like sit here and watch you puke. You, Sabrina, you're sitting there on the toilet the whole time. You're like, Nick, come take care of me. That's what I mean. If I'm puking, he's not going to... Whatever. I know, but you said sitting on the toilet. Sorry. I was thinking a different... Sitting on the floor and my mouth is in my toilet. How about that? Got it. Does that make it sound better? Yeah, it does. Okay. (laughs) Luckily, this flu is not a throw-up flu. Oh, that's good. luckily and unluckily. I was really thinking that this would kickstart my diet, (laughs) but... Oh, God. This is from Cassidy. Hi, Sabrina and Corinne. I just recently found your podcast and thought this might be the perfect place to share some of the spooky experiences I had as a child. I don't remember much of these stories as I was only three to six years old, but 
my family has told me numerous stories of paranormal encounters that I had that really freaked them out. The first story was when I was about four. My grandmother's brother had just died of lung cancer. For context, he was a smoker. I never met him, and at the time, I didn't know his cause of death. I was playing in my grandmother's bedroom when suddenly I looked up as if somebody had entered the room. After a couple of seconds, I casually said to my grandmother, there's a man in the room, and he says he's sorry for smoking. And then I went back to playing as if nothing happened. The second story occurred when I was three, and I was in the car with my mom, when out of nowhere I asked her, do you remember when we would go to the baths and the colored people would give us our towels? This creeped the fuck out of our mother for obvious reasons. There was no way that a three-year-old me had any knowledge of slavery in America. I'm from Australia. This alone makes me 100% believe in reincarnation and that I have known my family and friends for numerous lives. This next story I do remember. One night, I had a dream that my brother and his girlfriend crashed their car into a church window. I was awoken the next morning to the news that my brother and his girlfriend had gotten into a crash right next to the church. They were both fine, but now every time I have a dream where something bad happens, I get stressed that something in real life might happen. Here's another bonus story. A couple of hours before the news came out that a singer had died, I can't remember who the singer was, I was in a shop with my mom. I picked up a CD of the singer and I said sadly to my mom, he was a good man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> These are just some of the stories from my childhood, and I have plenty more that I hope to also share. P.S. You should definitely do an episode on Australia. See you on the other side, Cassidy. Whoa, she's had a lot of experiences. So many. It sounds like she was so sensitive, too, when she was younger. Yeah, proof that kids are really creepy. Kids are so creepy. But it's sad that her uh, grandfather or grandmother's brother, who had passed away before she was born or like that she never knew him, he came back to say he's sorry for smoking. That he was sorry. Oh, yeah. I know. That oh, is sad. Talk about But I also regrets. like that he saw the opening, the like Cassidy, who's like, oh, Cassidy can see me and she will pass on yeah. this information because she just says what she sees and does not know what's going yeah. on. That's what kids are great for. I, the, I've been having weird dreams lately and I, I'm going to tell you this I'm not going to name names because I don't know if it's true yet, but I had a dream the other day that a friend of ours uh, and his girlfriend broke up and I woke up and I told Nick and I was like, I think maybe they broke up. And he goes, I'm not, I'm not that close with him. So I don't feel comfortable like asking, but I'm, I'm predicting it. I think I had a dream about it. Oh my God. What a horrible prediction. I know, but I had like a very clear dream about it and it's not someone I dream about ever. Well, I hope that doesn't come true. Just like I hope no more of Cassidy's dreams come true when bad things happen to her. I'm glad that her brother and her brother's girlfriend were fine. It's so interesting though, how we connect to, I mean, it's her brother. So it's just, they're, they're already connected in that way. They're genetically connected, but it's so interesting that like you can dream someone else's reality. I don't know. I'm also, here's an interesting thing. She is Australian, but it sounds like she was American At a point. in a past life. Yeah. Or maybe she was always an Australian and she was just on vacation in America when slavery was a thing mm-hmm. or when segregation was still a thing. Right. And, you know, the colored people were separate and they were the ones handing right. the towels. Right. What a crazy memory. Yeah. When she was just three years old. Kids. All right, what do you have for us? All right. This is from Madeline. Madeline? Madeline. 
Hello, ladies. I just want to say I love your show. I start. I just started listening to it, and I am obsessed. I wanted to tell you about two of my encounters with the supernatural. So I have always been sensitive to the supernatural. I believe it runs in the family. And I had my first experience when I was in middle school when my class went on a field trip. We went to the to a plantation home in Nashville and also visited some war graveyard. During the tour, they said that the house was haunted and that sometimes you could hear the owner of the house singing or you could hear children or footsteps. And even sometimes the rocking chair would start rocking. As a kid, I was like, okay, right, that isn't real. Ghosts don't exist, but boy, was I wrong. As we were taking the tour, I saw drops of blood on the floor leading to the rocking chair. And I noticed that the rocking chair was rocking. So I closed my eyes and opened them and noticed the rocking had stopped. I just brushed it off, thinking someone knocked the chair. When we went upstairs, I felt as if someone was following me. I could feel my heart race, and I started making my way into the center of the group just to feel safer. When I was making my way there, I felt this rush of a force move right through me. I was too scared to go upstairs, but I went anyway, so I didn't seem like a chicken. On our way out, we saw this portrait of this beautiful woman in this white Victorian-style dress with dark hair. Later that day, I came home and I told my sister that we went to this house and it was whatever. And I went into our room and she said, and she went into my parents' room to use their bathroom. I heard my sister scream and fling the door open. She came flying out of my parents' room, all freaked out and almost ran right into me. I was like, what the heck is wrong with you? She looked at me and said she saw this woman in the mirror behind her. I told her she was lying and that she is just crazy. And she told me she was serious. And then when I asked about this woman and what she looked like... She said she was really beautiful with dark hair and that she was wearing this white Victorian looking dress and then just disappeared. I froze and looked at her with, looked at her and said, Emily, you just described the lady I saw in a picture at that house. I believe the ghost attached itself to me and followed me home. There isn't any other explanation. My second encounter was very terrifying. My little sister and her friends thought it would be fun to go to graveyards at 2 a.m., when she stayed with him she would take the flowers off the graves and leave them on my car Ooh. um i know her intentions were sweet but one it is wrong to steal from the dead and two that is how we get ghosts lol i was home alone one day and i could feel something weird in the house i kept feeling like i was being followed everywhere i went my cat would meow and hiss when i would go near and i just assumed that she had been mad at me for some reason so i called my mom and i told her something was up with the house and she told me you're just being anxious and need to relax. I got off the phone and went into my sister's room to use the computer. I heard this heavy walking down the hall and it stopped at the door, door of the room. I was like, whatever, it's just in my mind. And I kept scrolling through Tumblr. And then I heard this loud scratch down my sister's wood closet door and I froze. I told myself, this isn't real. This isn't real. And I heard this thud on the wall and then this fast crawling around the wall and it just stopped right next to me. I would lose my... I would lose it. I looked slowly next to me, just waiting to see an awful creature, but I didn't physically see it. I jumped up and grabbed my stuff and started running. I could feel whatever it was chasing me. I ran out of the house, got into my car, and drove off. I called my mom and told her something was in the house and it was evil and wasn't and I was not coming home until she got it out. She laughed, told me I was overreacting, and said if anything was there, she would deal with it. Turns out, something was in the house. My mom felt it as soon as she walked in that night. She burned sage and told it to leave, telling it that it had no power over this house and didn't belong here. I'm not doing okay. I'm, like, struggling right now. <laughs> uh, she found out what my sister was doing and put a stop to it. 
I hope you too enjoyed these. I still get chills when I talk about the second encounter. It was totally terrifying. See you on the other side, Madeline. Holy... The, uh, I do not want to be at work anymore. I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. Mom. I am home. Where am I supposed to go now? Okay, now we need our moms. I so was hoping that the whole like crawling thing and scratching and being right next to her was going to, she's going to turn and it was going to be her cat. Oh, that would have been good. That would have yeah, been a alas. good twist, but then it wouldn't have been a scary ghost story and it wouldn't yep. have terrified me the way it's doing oh my god but this was creepy yeah if her younger sister was taking flowers from graves like what evil spirit did she steal flowers from and was it about the flowers or was it just that she had opened herself up so much something else followed her home and it's also interesting that she it just seems like her family might be open to things because she brought home a ghost from the plantation too True, true, true. The Victorian dressed person. Mm-hmm. I wonder what plantation it was. <sighs> I need a bubble bath. I need I need medicine. You need sleep. That's stronger than Sudafed because clearly this isn't working. <laughs> Crin, I'm sorry. It's okay. I feel better. This made me feel a little better because we love talking about ghosts. I know. that's the It's the best part of the week. Guys, if you want to talk about ghosts with us, you should come to our live show. It's January 13th at the Hollywood Improv over in Los Angeles. We're going to make it real spooky. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to do some research and find out if Hollywood Improv is haunted and we'll talk about it. Well, spoiler alert. What? It's a teaser. It's like getting them excited. Drop a little. Drop a little. Drop a little. Like it's hot. And if you have ghost stories, you can email them to us at twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And there are many other ways to support us, like merch or we have a Patreon and we promise to make it worth your time. We have all these fun bonuses. You get to pick topics in uh, if you're a good luck black cat or if you're a mama or papa of the BEK. Yeah, we promise to make it worth your time and we really appreciate you can donate and support this podcast for less than a dollar a month. If you want to do that, you can. Did you already say rate and review on iTunes? Nope. Okay, we'll do that. And then we also have uh, Instagram, Twitter. We have Facebook. Another good way to support us is to support our sponsors. And now, as a special, very limited holiday offer, canvaspeople.com is offering their popular 11 by 14 photo canvases for free. All you have to do is text TGOG to 797979. Shipping and handling is all you gotta pay and we will see you you on on the the other other side. side